be unto you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The word of God upon which we base our sermon on this Palm Sunday is the epistle for this morning. You heard it read before from St. Paul's letter to the Philippians chapter 2. I recall just these words. But made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, our obedient King, my beloved. Imagine for a moment yourself as a complete stranger in the city of Jerusalem. The year is 33. This is the very first Palm Sunday. Seems to be a lot of commotion. Looks like a spontaneous parade of some sort is starting. People are cheering all over the place, waving palm branches, littering the streets with their coats and the branches. Sounds like, it sounds like they're, they're shouting something that sounds like Hosanna. There is only one attraction in the parade. Looks like some kind of a poor man riding a donkey. What's happening, you ask yourself? And so you decide to ask around. You start with some of the people out in the street. After the parade is over, they tell you, that was Jesus who just went by. He's a prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. He does miracles. In fact, he just raised a dead man by the name of Lazarus from Bethany from the dead. I mean, he was really dead, and he brought him back to life. He can multiply food. He heals people when they're sick. You know, we think with that kind of power, he's going to set up his throne here in the city of Jerusalem. He's going to feed us. He's going to take care of all of our health problems. He's going to get rid of our poverty. He's going to bring the economy back. He might even bring back the good old days like when Solomon was here. It's really exciting. Next, you try to get an answer from some of the church people that are standing around. They have titles like scribes and Pharisees and priests. And you ask them, what's happening? What's this all about? They answer you, you know you saw that guy on a donkey? He's nothing more than a young Turk from up north. He's going around trying to wreck the church teaching people all sorts of new things that are wrecking our traditions. If he's not careful, he's going to wreck the whole church. And besides all that, we're really getting worried because people are calling him a king. And if there's an uprising here in the city of Jerusalem, the Roman army is going to be on our backs and things are going to be worse than ever. Something's got to be done. And finally, you walk up to 
a Roman soldier, sort of the police officer of the day. And you say, Sergeant, what's happening? What's going on around here? His answer is, well, you know, I really don't know. I'm just around here to keep the peace. But I just hope that this crowd doesn't get out of hand because otherwise we're going to have to take action. What's happening? You ask everyone. Everyone gave you an answer. All the answers were different. And they were all wrong. Fast forward. Imagine yourself flying around in a mythical hovering spacecraft somewhere over France. The date is June 6th, 1944. You can see everything clearly down there. What you see is the largest armada of ships and boats and landing craft and airplanes ever orchestrated or assembled, and they're all heading for the beaches of France. If you get really high in your spacecraft, you'll see that pretty soon the same thing is going to be happening over in the Pacific. You never saw anything like it before in your life. <clears throat> From way up above, you'd probably make the deduction, you know, I think that the United States and the Allied forces have built the biggest war machine of all time, and this is the day they're going to start to take over the world. Wrong. You see, what you see with the naked eye is not always the truth. So as visitors to Jerusalem on this Palm Sunday, we ask once again, What's really happening? If you want to sum up in as few words as possible what Jesus' entry into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday is all about, and I don't think that you can say it any better than today is D-Day. The invasion has begun. Jesus is coming as God's very best warrior. He's ready to invade the territory that the devil has occupied since the very first garden. And he's ready to march all the way to hell's gates. He's coming. And he knows that war is hell. And so he's bought, brought his biggest guns along. In fact, he's got four of them. His best guns for this war are humility and willingness and obedience and trust. And with them he will fight and he will destroy sin and death and the power of the devil. Now, you either have to be a history buff or actually a person who actually lived through it to answer the question that way back in 1944, how would you typify the attitude of Adolf Hitler or Mussolini or Emperor Hirohito or General Tojo? 
Humility would not be the answer. They were egomaniacs who were bent on physical destruction and, if allowed, the suppression of all humanity. And so it was on June 6, 1944, that ships and boats and landing craft were loaded. Loaded with citizen soldiers, so-called GIs, just common men, not trained mercenaries, not Spartans, not trained killers. Some were farmers. Some were factory workers. Some were carpenters. Some were small business owners, all common men. They just came, not as aggressors or occupiers, but as liberators. They came because they just had to. There was no other way. Sometimes wars just have to be fought to bring about peace. And so it was that God from heaven comes riding on into the capital city on a borrowed donkey. And amidst the cheers of the little children, he knows absolutely where he's going. Hear the words of St. Paul once again in the epistle for this morning. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. In humility he comes to set us free. And so we take a look at his willingness on those landing craft back on June 6, 1944, as they made their way to the beaches, there were men huddled inside whose guts were wrenched, whose stomachs were churning and turning, but they were willing to do it because there was no other way. Here once again, the words of Isaiah from the Old Testament reading for this morning. I have not been rebellious. I have not drawn back. I offered my back to those who beat me, my cheeks to those who pulled out my beard. I did not hide my face from mocking and spitting. As he rides into Palm Sunday, he knows exactly where the ride will take him. To Gethsemane and betrayal. To the kangaroo court of the Sanhedrin, to Pilate's court, and the hateful cries of, crucify him. In willingness, he comes to set us free. And then there is his obedience. In World War II, somebody made the comment about the effort of the Americans. They said, that if there was really one thing that won the war in World War II, it was the unit cohesion of the American armed forces. 
No pulling rank. No breaking rank. Do what you're told. Stay in your unit. Do what you've been trained for. Follow orders. Jesus rode into Jerusalem. He was following the orders of his heavenly father. Way back at his baptism, he said, This is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. Previously, Jesus said, My father and I are one. In the upper room on Maundy Thursday, Jesus prays to his heavenly father, Father, the time has come. Glorify your son, that your son may be glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people, that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is life eternal, that they might know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. In obedience, he comes to set us free. And then there is trust. The only way that World War II could be won for freedom is that the soldiers in the field had to follow the plans the generals of the European and Pacific theaters had developed. There was a plan. And if it was followed, it would work. But you had to trust the plan, and you had to follow it. God had a plan. And he developed it <clears throat> way back in the first garden, and even before that. It was that justice would be exacted. Sins would be punished, yours and mine. But his son would be the sacrificial lamb for the sins of the whole world. He would be punished in our place so that with justice exacted, punishment exacted, sin paid for, the devil would have no power over us to claim us for hell. The rationale for the plan? Why was the plan needed? Isaiah said, We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought him us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. Jesus trusted the plan, and he trusted his Father. Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. But not my will, but yours be done. And so he is obedient. Obedient to death, even death on a cross. He comes trusting his father's plan. And then, 
the final word of Good Friday, spoken by Pontius Pilate in the Gospel readings. Take a guard. Go, make the tomb as secure as you know how. So they went and made the tomb secure by putting a seal on the stone and posting the guard. But that was not enough to keep the Son of God in. But you see, that's next week. We're asking what's happening today in the city of Jerusalem. What's happening? Oh, there's a whole lot more than you ever thought. This is D-Day. The invasion has begun. Children of God, your liberation is at hand. Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Amen.